Welcome into the Chronicle Podcast. We're recording this here on Thursday, uh, November, what is it, 5th? And what a week, folks. Um, a lot of stuff going on. I'm talking, of course, about the the release, the second trailer of the uh, new Saved by the Bell reboot that's coming to Peacock. Uh, Kelly Kapowski and Zach, both in the trailer, Dan. What a, what a fucking roller coaster ride. It's all anybody's talking about. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Saved by the Bell stand as much as anyone, but... The preview was a little dicey. It's don't different. Know. It's yeah. Different. Don't don't know if. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll obviously I'll give it a chance for nostalgia purposes, but uh, it doesn't seem like something's gonna hold my interest more than than ten minutes. But I could be wrong. The fact that they brought Max back it, it rubs me the wrong way. Like I, I get that he was a big character at the beginning of the show, but he wasn't even fucking around after like the first. 12 episodes screech isn't back but max is back and he's still running the Mac. i don't know the whole thing I'm, i don't know I, i've got low expectations after after seeing this but uh we're not going to talk about say by the bell we're not going to talk about the election uh we are going to talk about some of the other stuff that's been happening this week and look, look since march i guess since the uh, the world got shut down this podcast this podcast was fun for the first couple of months like we were enjoying the basketball season we were having a good time it was more or less happy times with Mike and Dan and since then a large part of our content has kind of been how much everything sucks and how much it personally affects us and so it's only right that on the weekend that I'm going to Columbus to visit you guys for the first time um we're going to watch a game, me, you, and our other buddy, Kircher, who's coming up there. I'm finally going to get to watch a game this year with people besides my wife and my daughter, who I, I love, but it's not the best viewing situation. We gave up our tickets this year because of COVID. We haven't had any watch parties or anything like that. So I'm finally getting to watch a Louisville football game with friends, and it's not going to happen. The, the game has been, if you've missed this, I don't know why you're listening to the podcast, but if you haven't heard yet, uh, Saturday's game at Virginia has been officially postponed, tentatively scheduled for next week. I think both teams had bye weeks, um, but because of Louisville's COVID outbreak, they're not, I think, all that positive that they're going to be able to play that game next week. But isn't it just fitting that you know we're all excited about this? There's really no like, – that's kind of the, the biggest reason I was excited about this game. Louisville's had, obviously, a rough season. Virginia's not a great team, but I was still pumped just to be able to get drunk, bet on Breeders' Cup all day, and then watch a game with my friends. And now, not happening. Yeah, I mean, we kind of we don't we don't plan our you know get-togethers specifically around like this like in particular this Louisville football game, but I mean it it was just a nice thing to be like, hey, why don't you guys come up and uh, you know we found out that the game was at 8 p.m., which was going to be perfect because like sure. you said, Breeders' Cup runs all the way. I think post time for the classic is like 5:30, so yeah, it was just going to be an absolute you know perfect kind of sports day and you know of course uh, we know what happened with with the game being postponed until next week so yeah i mean not only am i, I am i bummed for the players i'm i'm bummed for myself because now i'm like okay like of course my wife is like well what are we gonna do and i'm like <laughs> i mean I, I i think notre dame and clemson play at eight but i mean i have and i'm just admitting it i have zero interest right now and like kind of other college football that's going on it's just been the most bizarre season it's ha- you know wisconsin sounds like they're even talking about canceling their season because of their covid issues so you know i don't even really know how to feel um but yeah i mean i guess we're gonna play fucking categories or something instead so 
um we'll uh we'll see what happens i do love i mean this is classic like we are the generic bad 90s sitcom dumb dads who, who like just don't care about anything and don't do anything the level of preparation that our wives have put into this weekend compared to the level of preparation that we have put in is just couldn't be more extreme opposites like mary's like i wish i could take off work today to get stuff ready to go up there i'm like i'm gonna throw in a pair of pants and a couple of shirts and nothing else. Like I am planning on just drinking and hanging out with my friends and their kids and having a good time. And like I, the panic that Kim is feeling because this game is off is totally, I can completely relate to it. Mary's like, well, what, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to go here? Do you want to do this? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, like I'm just, I'm just excited to see my, uh, my friends and just hang out and have a uh, adult weekend for a change, but we'll be, it, it'll be fine. We'll, we'll be okay. Um, as far as the, like, I don't really even know what to say about the the football side of things at this point. I know we haven't had a chance to talk about last week's game against Virginia Tech. There's not a whole lot to say that hasn't been said already by somebody else. We were both feeling pretty confident about the game. I know Keith was feeling confident about that game. And then you wake up Saturday morning and bam, fucking defense has COVID. Like the 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 whole entire defense has COVID, plus the punter, which was my favorite thing about the entire thing. Favorite probably not the word I should use there. But when I saw the list of players that was out, I'm like, you know, Monty Montgomery, a bunch of key guys on defense. And then, oh, punter Ryan Harwell. And, you know, my first thought is this sucks for everybody. I hope everybody winds up being okay. My second thought is like, man, good for that punter. Like, like good for Harwell. What, he's a cool-ass guy. Like, he's cool enough to hang out with the rest of the defense. Good for him. But uh, all those guys now, I think – would have been out this weekend. Hopefully they could be back if we play Virginia next week. There are, I think, according to the press release last night, 25 members of the actual team or support staff who have uh, either tested positive for COVID-19 or have the contract tracing stuff. So and who knows? Who knows how this goes? Like you've said before, if ever we were going to have a season where things just kind of don't go our way, bad breaks on the field, tough stuff happening off the field, this is the year for it to happen, and, and you're right. When you look across the rest of the country with college football, it just seems like a. It, it's hard to know what to make of this season. I mean, Wisconsin's really good. They're a top what five team right now, and they might not even play enough games to to be eligible for the Big Ten championship game. Pac-12 is just now starting up. Who knows what the hell's going to go on there? I mean, it's just it's hard to latch on to the rest of the to, to other games, like you said with Notre Dame, Clemson, just because everything feels inequitable. Like everybody's going to be playing a different amount of games. Who knows if bowl games are going to happen. It's just all a, a complete, complete disaster. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's weird. It's it's like when your team makes a bowl and you get those extra practices to, you know, kind of really get momentum going into next year, except this year um, the practices are actual games. It just doesn't seem like this is a real season. So I wonder if we're going to look back at in a couple years and this is just going to be a complete throwout season. Um, you know, when we're judging Scott Satterfield by his record, I, I, I wonder if this is even a season that, that we'll judge, but you know, I just, I don't even really know how to feel because I'm like, I should I be, should I be mad about the losses? I mean, obviously I, I, I want us to win. I should probably be mad, but it just seemed like, okay, we finally, might have turned things around at Florida State, and you could still somewhat have what, you know, maybe not everyone, but what I would call a successful season if we could, you know, run the table or maybe lose just one of our last games. And then, you know, with with everyone going on, on defense, it's just a, it's like an incomplete grade. You can't even really judge the game. 
um, you know, from what we saw on Saturday. So I don't know. I'm just kind of in a haze when it comes to, to college football right now and sports. And, you know, I never want to be the guy that's like, Hey, you know, when's basketball start? Um, because I, you know, I, I, I'm passionate about the football team. I want them to do well, but it's just such a weird situation right now that, you know, at least having basketball would, would, you know, take somewhat of my attention away for what's happening in college football. I was thinking about this the other day because, I mean, obviously I'm somebody who cares deeply about Louisville sports. I, I look back at sort of I, I, my past memories. Like when I think about specific moments in my life, they, a lot of times they're intertwined with Louisville sports. Like, you know, senior year of high school is the, the Reese Gaines year where we, you know, finally got back to the NCAA tournament and, uh, you know, that lost the game to Butler. I, I think about stuff in those terms. But the other day I was thinking like, am I even going to remember these football games like five, 10 years from now with everything going on? I mean, this is, you know, personally, it's the first year where I've had, uh, you know, my daughter, it's the first full year we've been with her. She was born in September of 2019. You've got COVID, you've got the election madness, you've got just everything being in a state of flux. Am I really going to look back and be like, man, that JV and Hawkins 70 yard run, like, like that, that was incredible against Florida State or the 90 yard run against Virginia Tech. I feel like these games in the grand scheme of things are going to be sort of a, a forgotten deal. They're going to be more of a footnote that we look back at as kind of an obscurity rather than, you know, that year that we beat Florida State down or that year that we uh, couldn't beat anybody from the Coastal Division. I don't think anybody's like this is going to be kind of a, a forgotten season. It's probably going to be that way for a lot of programs. It's just. Again, I, I feel like I overuse the word weird on this podcast all the time, but everything is just still so fucking weird. Um, and, and it's so weird that you don't really even know how to talk about it. And, you know, we're two months into the season and it still is, is something that's just it feels awkward talking about it. So, yeah. I, and like even like I mean, when there's been seasons where. I'm sure, you know, that we've gone through as, as Louisville football fans where by like the fifth game, we're like, well, it's going to be one of those years. And you're, you know, by the end of the year, you're just waiting for the year to be over because it's been like such a shitty season. But even those years, like there's still like something like kind of burning in your stomach because they're it, there's just like you're you're pissed off at how poorly coached we are like like Cragthorpe's last year like I, I don't remember a ton of the games but I still remember like the just the absolute pathetic like Syracuse game with with Greg Paulus at quarterback like the Bobby yeah. Petrino's last year I unfortunately remember just getting absolutely you know penetrated by UK uh, <laughs> on his last game so I mean it, it those years, yeah, I mean, uh, do I block out a lot of the games? Yeah, but I still remember being pissed off. Like, this year, I honestly just kind of feel nothing, which is just a feeling I haven't had before. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's different, and hopefully we never have to deal with this again. Hopefully everything's back to normal next fall, and we kind of just turn the page from this forever uh, and move on. Um, I, I think it's going to be easier. You talked about not being able to really get into the rest of the country when it comes to college football. And I've been kind of the same way. You know, usually I'll watch the big games. Uh, I'll watch the like Maction last night and all that stuff. I just haven't been able to get as into it. And I feel like it's because nobody's, there's no level playing field. I mean, we've played, what, seven games? Some Pac-12 hasn't even played yet. The Mac played their first games last night. It just, everybody's all over the place. I feel like, at least for me, it's going to be easier to get into following the rest of the college basketball world once we start playing, just because everybody's going to be kind of 
more or less in the same boat. I know some uh, some conferences aren't going to play non-conference games or that they're going to play very few non-conference games, but those conferences are are ones that would only send one team to the NCAA tournament anyway. So I, I, I'm excited to get that going. 20 days from right now, we're going to have college basketball. Louisville's going to play uh, its first game of the season. And we actually found out the full non-conference schedule. I know we, we knew the opponents before this week, but we now know uh, who Louisville's going to play and when they're going to play them. We got the full uh, schedule for the Wade Houston tip-off classic, which was formerly known as the Louisville bubble. How do you feel about the the Wade Houston tip-off classic, by the way? Because I got some shit for making a joke about, uh, you know, when we need this tournament the most, it's going to move to Knoxville. It's going to go to Tennessee. Um, but I mean, for people our age, I feel like that's what Wade Houston's most known for. He's most known for leaving the program and taking his son to Tennessee. And in a lot of people's eyes, kind of being the beginning of the end of the Denny Crum era. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I don't have too strong of opinion of it. I, I, I could see why some people might be bothered by it. Um, you know, just because Alan Houston probably goes down as a top three player that that spurned Louisville for another school so there's there's still that bad taste in in some people's mouth but um you know it's obviously a big local name um you know I I I honestly don't have too big of a problem with it if if for you know if for whatever reason like they weren't like good people then I'd be like okay this is kind of weird but from all accounts I, I think um you know Alan Houston and his dad, they're they're great people, so I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it doesn't bother me at all. I just thought it was it sort of came out of left field, and um, apparently, according to some people, not even something you can make jokes about, but whatever. I actually, I know when they announced, when they initially announced the, the teams that were going to be playing in this Louisville bubble, people kind of rolled their eyes and said, you know, it's a real murder's row. I actually, I, I love the non-conference schedule that Louisville's put together here. I think it's the perfect mix of, of challenging and working in some teams that are you know, at the mid-major level, but should still help your um, your net ranking, should still help your you and Ken Pomeroy and all this stuff. There's really only one team I, I think that Louisville's going to play before the conference play rolls around that is just a total walkover game, and I don't mind that as well. If you want to run real quickly through the schedule, uh, Louisville on November 25th, again, 20 days uh, from right now, is going to play Southern Illinois, and... Southern Illinois is kind of a middle-of-the-pack team in the Missouri Valley. They shouldn't be that much of a threat. So I, I like, I kind of like getting off to a, I don't want to say easy first step, but I, I like a game where you can get some guys' confidence going and get off to a, a solid start. So I'm fine with that season. Two days later, they're going to play Seton Hall. And Seton Hall, they're going to take a step down from where they were last year, which was maybe the best team they've had in 30 years. But that's still going to be, I, I would still expect to see Seton Hall be comfortably in the NCAA tournament this year. They bring back Miles um, Kale. They bring back the uh, Mamou Kellishvili, uh, whose name nobody ever can pronounce. Um, they brought in uh, Ike Obiagu, who's a transfer from Florida State, the seven foot two guy. They brought in Bryce Aiken, who was Ivy League Player of the Year at Harvard. It's going to be a good team. And I also just kind of like the Louisville-Seton Hall, I don't want to say rivalry, but we've had a good series with them. When we had We played good games when we were both in the Big East. We had that home and home a couple of years ago where they beat us uh, at the Yum Center when David Padgett was the coach. And then we went up there the next year and Chris Mack's first year and won a really competitive game. I was excited to see um, them added to this field. I know, and we'll break a little podcast news. Uh, I had heard and I got excited. I know I told you and I know you were excited too. 
there was a, uh, we'll use the, the John Rothstein phrase, palpable buzz that when things started breaking down with all the tournaments in Orlando, that Kansas was actually going to come and play two games here in the, um, at the Yum Center in this bubble event, and they were going to play one game against us. They ended up being able to schedule Gonzaga and save uh, whatever event they're playing in with them and, and get two games out of that. So we got Seton Hall. So it was a little bit of a step down when you had your, your eyes focused on Kansas, but I still like the fact that we've got another uh, power conference, relatively big name coming here uh, and playing us. Yeah, and Seton Hall, they kind of remind me of, uh, I guess, you know, obviously Kevin Willard's under the Patino coaching tree, but they kind of remind me a little bit of, um, you know, like a poor man's Patino team that, that he used to have here at Louisville. Like they play extremely hard. It seems like they kind of slop up every game. Like yeah. um, it's real chippy, a lot of fouls, a lot of free throws, but um obviously having miles Powell the past couple of years um you know has made their offense run a little bit smoother so it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see without him just uh you know how they're able to score the ball this year but i definitely i mean obviously Louisville's not going to take hopefully any team lightly but um they're a team where if you don't show up they'll punch you in the mouth and it's a fun like early first week uh game of it. It's, it should be the first test that Louisville gets and I kind of like getting it um, not right off the bat but having that as your second game it's a, we've done that for a few years now where we've kind of taken a, a slow like dip the toe in the water to start the season and then we've played somebody really good in week two or game two somewhere along that I think it's a good setup there November 29th the third game it's the one just straight bad opponent on the schedule Prairie View A&M out of the SWAC I think they're going to be a middle-of-the-pack team in maybe the worst conference in all of college basketball. And I, I know everybody always likes to say, like, well, what do you even get out of these games? I like having at least one or two of these types of games just because, one, you're able to – it's early in the season. You're able to, to you know, start running the offense. Maybe you can try out some new things that haven't been going that well in practice. Um, but you, you, if you feel like it's if they fail in a game, it's okay against an opponent like this. Two, I think it's really good to get confidence in – like freshmen or sophomores who maybe aren't going to get a whole lot of minutes that year because everybody coming out of high school is the man. Everybody's used to getting all this attention. Everybody's used to having the ball in their hands a bunch. And it can be really jarring when you start your college career and all of a sudden, you know, you're averaging two and a half points a game. I've heard coaches say this for years that like those early season games, the most valuable thing you get out of them is when you get a four-star recruit who's a freshman who's not going to play a whole lot that year he scores 10 points in the last eight minutes. It makes him feel like he's part of the team and he gets that confidence level back up because when guys get their attitudes down, and I mean, you know, we played team sports growing up. If you had one guy who had a bad attitude and starts bitching about everything, it kind of becomes a plague. Like that, that stuff can run through a team. So I like those early season games where you can get everybody involved, get the bench cheering for the walk-ons. I think it just establishes a solid core and some good vibes. So I'm fine with them playing that game. Um, December 1st, Western Kentucky, how do you feel about playing the Hilltoppers? Because I feel like there are mixed emotions amongst the fan base, whether you're talking football or basketball about this series. Yeah, I mean, some people are like, I don't think Louisville gets anything out of it. Um, I enjoy it. I mean, I, anytime you can have, you know, uh, games that are, are played between two rivals that are in-state, I'm never going to turn that down. Um, there's always just kind of an extra buzz when that's happening. But, um, I, I mean... Rick Stansberry, we all know, you know, the history that he has. So um, to be able to um, hopefully deal him a loss is it, it's a little bit makes 
the game a little bit sweeter, um, if, if you're asking me. I like playing Western Kentucky. I don't like playing this Western Kentucky team because, like, they have – they're super talented. Like, they have, like, sort of middle of the tier, lower level, power five – or I shouldn't say power five, power conference talent. Like, Charles Bassey is going to be an NBA draft pick. It was a little bit of a surprise that he came back, even though he got hurt last year. Tavian Hollingsworth, I think, is, is still the all-time leading scorer in the history of Lexington High School basketball. Um, he was really good last year. They got a transfer. Um, Kenny Cooper came over from Lipscomb. I don't know if anybody else remembers this, but he ran the point for that Lipscomb team that almost came into the KFC Yum Center and beat us, and he played really well. He's, he's a really good player, too. They also got a uh, transfer in Luke Frampton from Davidson, and one guy, other guy back, uh, Carson Williams, a redshirt senior who averaged uh, double figures last year. They've got... They've got enough talent to play up to the level of their opponent when they're playing a team like Louisville and beat them, but they're also coached by Rick Stansberry, which means they're probably going to lose like six games in Conference USA that they shouldn't <laughs> because just people aren't focused. And that like that sucks for us because if they did play us close or they did beat us and then they turn around and they lose to a bunch of shitty teams and tank their computer rankings, it reflects poorly on us. It's going to hurt our computer rankings. So they're kind of like the worst case scenario for playing a quote-unquote mid-major team. Uh, I'd expect to get their best shot in that game because, hey, it's it's them playing Louisville, but they they're super talented. It's gonna be, like, I would expect that to be a, a tougher game than it was last year when we played in Nashville. Um, speaking of tough games, three days after that, I, I love that we're playing what five games in nine days here. We're all desperate for this. It's gonna be awesome. Louisville's gonna play UNC Greensboro, and I'm just preparing everybody. I'm gonna be annoying about how good this team is. I, I, this is the one team. And you know this, like we have friends that get on me every year about hyping up mid-major teams. Like uh, you always say they're good. And every single year that the, the mid-major team that I'm hyping up winds up playing us really close. I mentioned Lipscomb. Vermont did it a couple of years ago. Uh, Albany almost beat us when they were good. UNC Greensboro is really good. They have one of the best players we're going to face all year in Isaiah Miller. Um, he's the SOCON player of the year. He was the, I think he's the two-time reigning defensive player of the year. He's a really, really good guard who gets a lot of steals and gets buckets. Uh, Wes Miller, their head coach, a lot of people think he could wind up being uh, Roy Williams' replacement at North Carolina. He's one of the brightest young coaching stars in all of college basketball. They're going to be, I think, the preseason pick to win the SoCon. They're fantastic. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we, you know, when um, shocked is, is probably a stretch. But I, I can see us beating Wisconsin having a really good non-conference run and still, I don't want to say losing that UNC Greensboro game, but, but being in just a, a nip and tub a, absolute dogfight. But I like playing these games. I, I like playing teams that are hungry and that are, are talented. And I know that it doesn't really move the needle a whole lot for the fan base, but th this, I'm telling you right now, that's going to be a really good game. This is what I'll say in max first two years, it seems like we come out of the gate playing really good basketball for whatever reason. And then right around, the Kentucky game into January, it seems like that's when we kind of hit a wall. So, um, you know, not that I, I think we're going to lose this game, but it is nice knowing that the, the past two years, it seems like we've played some of our better basketball at the beginning of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you obviously know more about the mid majors than I do. So I'll, you know, let you be the judge of how good they are, but I think it just emphasizes, you know, we've heard rumblings of, um, some injuries early on in practice uh, and with not a whole lot of experience already coming back when you're playing a team, um, you know, like UNC Greensboro, um, that, that's going to be a, a game where you want all your guys healthy, especially, 
especially some of the guys that maybe have, have uh, played in some of those tough games against mid-majors that some teams you know might take lightly. So after that run of five games in nine days, Louisville's going to leave the, the Wade Houston tip-off classic, leave the Louisville bubble, and their only true road game of, uh, of non-conference play is going to be in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We drew Wisconsin. We're playing up there at the Kohl Center. Um, we've only played Wisconsin one time before, which is sort of surprising given how prominent the two programs have been over the years. It was a game back in 1978 that Louisville won, uh, I think, pretty handily. But how do you feel about the draw? I mean, this is going to be a preseason top 15, if not top 10 team in the Badgers. How did you, were you excited about the draw there? I, I kind of like it. I think it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can kind of play a team that you, you know, for being a fan as long as we have that we either have barely played or never really played before. It's always fun. Um, I mean, obviously the first thing you think of when you think of Wisconsin basketball is slowing the game down, very few offensive possessions. So I always think going into conference play, it's good to play as many different styles of teams as you can. So um, obviously that's probably going to be a, uh, kind of a knockout drag out type game, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think everyone's probably going to hate Brad Davison by the end of the oh, game. Um, yeah. but I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited for the Brad Davison hate because, you know, we like a lot of Louisville fans follow college basketball really closely. I think a majority probably know some of the other bigger names across the country, but there's, that segment of the fan base that only you know watches teams when they're playing against Louisville and the fans that are meeting Brad Davison for the first time. Oh boy. Whoa. I mean, <laughs> the, the first yeah, he's like, I, he's like a, I mean, and I love the guy, but um, I mean, I'm trying to think of a comparison. Like, I mean, is BJ Flynn. I don't just some guy who's just taking charges at every spot on the court. I don't know. The thing about Brad Davison that people overlook too often is that he sucks. Like, he's not good at basketball. He's, he's not a very good player. He'll have decent games from time to time. But he's most known for taking, what, I think he took six charges in one game last year and just flops everywhere and complains and he's dirty, he's tripping people. Like, he's going to take, he, Carly Jones is going to touch him with his pinky. He's going to go flying into the Yum Center stands, and everybody's going to hate this guy for the rest of the game. It's going to be wonderful to watch, but that's kind of who they are. But it, it, Wisconsin's a good team. That's going to be a, a really tough test. And I would say the Cole Center is going to be a tough place to play because it always is, but with no fans it's it's or limited fans, it's obviously really different. Uh, Louisville will wrap up its non-conference slate on the day after Christmas against Kentucky in a game they always win. Um, and so no reason to even talk about that. We own Cal. It's not a big deal. We're going to beat UK again. It's going to be, I will say, I, I hate the long break from the Wisconsin game all the way to the Kentucky game. How long is it? I think, but but they're going to play, I was going to mention that it's December 9th to the 26th. They're going to play ACC games between then. Um, the, the ACC schedule is supposed to come out next week. They have mentioned that they're going to play multiple games in December. So we'll have it, it won't be, I think, as as fast and furious as the first couple of weeks of the season. But there will be multiple uh, conference games between that Wisconsin game and the UK game. But overall, I mean, I like the, the layout of this non-conference schedule. I know everybody wants to play a top 25 team every game. I don't think that's best for you know a team that's still going to be looking to gel. But you're playing, I think, at least two teams that are going to be picked to win their conference. West Kentucky and UNC Greensboro should be two of the five best mid-majors in the country, um, even though one has a fantastic coach and one has a Rick Stansberry. Um, 
I think Seton Hall is going to be an NCAA tournament team. I think Wisconsin and Kentucky are going to be top 15 teams by the time Louisville's playing them. And then, you know, Southern Illinois and Prairie View A&M. Southern Illinois is not great. Prairie View A&M is downright bad. But you can still figure out some stuff in those games. So overall, I'm a fan of the non-conference schedule. I like the way it's set up. Um, any additional thoughts before we move, we move on here? No, I mean, I like the way it's set up, too, just for the type of team that we have with, like, you know, we said, uh, we got some experience coming back, but not a whole lot. So um, uh, even though some of those teams, like you said, are going to be good, um, it'll be nice to maybe ease into some of those really big powerhouse games at the back end of the non-conference schedule by getting a couple games under our belt and, um, you know, letting some guys get some exposure, but playing serious minutes in the ACC. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I mentioned Carly Jones in passing there. We should, we should throw out there. He's now worn the gold Jersey, which goes to the best player in practice for the past week, uh, three weeks in a row, which, I guarantee Louisville fans are about to turn on this. I, I, I guarantee, if, if they haven't already, I haven't looked, but I guarantee Louisville fans are going to go from, man, this guy's in, like awesome, he's even better than we thought he was going to be, he's going to be a huge player, to like, does everybody else on the team suck? Like, I, I'm worried that we don't have any other good players. Like, I guarantee that happens because nobody can take good news and find the small negative in that news like Louisville fans can. It's going to happen. I mean, this isn't grade school, folks. It's not like everyone's getting a a gold jersey every week. Uh, I, I kind of like the fact that, you know, it's like, hey, all right, you get it again. Um, but I think it is a good sign. Kind of the two guys we've heard the most hype about in the offseason have, have been Carlick Jones and, and Jalen Withers. And those are two guys that obviously are, are new to our program. And we already kind of know what we're, you know, not really know because they've been inconsistent, but we um, we've seen what David Johnson can do. We've seen what Samuel Williamson can do. We obviously know um, that Malik is rock solid in the middle. So it, it's nice that, like I said, the two guys we're hearing the most about are, are newcomers. So I think that can only be uh, good news for our program. To be fair, Jalen Weathers was here last year. He just redshirted. So right, yeah. The first time he's going to be eligible to play. I told you and our U of L friends this, like when he committed. Carly Jones was always going to be Chris Mack's favorite player on this team. Like I've never seen a better fit. Like he, not only is he from Cincinnati, but the dude is just straight basketball. Like I think he's just he's one of those guys that yeah, I'm not gonna say he doesn't have any other interest, but he just eats, breathes, sleeps basketball. He talks shit. He's a hard ass. He works his ass off. Like right when we got him, I was like, Mack's gonna love him. And sure enough, for the first three weeks of the year, he's gotten the gold jersey every week. Part of the reason why maybe he's he's getting the gold jersey, if you're wondering. Well, what's going on with everybody else? We did find out this week. We knew Malik Williams was dealing with an injury that had kept him out of practice for a while. We also found out uh, via Dino Gaudio was on, I think, with Bob Valvano on ESPN 680. And he was saying uh, Samuel Williamson hasn't practiced yet. He's been dealing with uh, with injuries. And they're hoping to get both those guys back here in the next week or so so they can get going. So here we go. Uh, once again. <laughs> once again. Of course, this is, uh, this is what we're used to in late October early November, but both those guys have been sidelined. So hopefully we can get uh, people up and ready and, and be fully healthy by the time we're ready to start this season here in about three weeks. Before we move on, I want to remind you guys about our sponsors over at Homefield Apparel. If you haven't checked out their gear yet, go to homefieldapparel.com. They've got a full line of retro Louisville shirts and hoodies uh, and sweatshirts that are fantastic. They're the softest shirts, the softest hoodies you can find anywhere. And we're going to save you money on your first purchase from Homefield. If you use the promo code CARDCHRONICLE, 
all one word at checkout. That's going to save you 20% off your first purchase. Again, go to homefieldapparel.com, follow them on social media. Uh, on Twitter, they're Homefield Apparel, no E in apparel. Um, check them out there. They're releasing new teams, new programs every single week. If you want to just get other college gear, they've got great shirts from small colleges across the country. Again, homefieldapparel.com. Big thanks to them for sponsoring the pod. We love those guys. And use the promo code Card Chronicle at checkout to save yourself 20%. Um, I don't really think we have any other basketball-related nuggets. Do you want to take some some questions from Twitter here, Dan? Yeah, let's go. Let's fire away here. All right, we asked for questions from Twitter, and as always, uh, we can use about half them because you guys are, are vulgar, which we love, but uh, all good. Let's see here. Uh, Presley Meyer, we'll start with this one. I, I, I like this because it's become more of a, a topic discussion this year. Is it too early to put up Christmas lights? We just had Halloween. I've seen pictures of people putting uh, Christmas trees up. Is it too early in your eyes, Dan? Yes, it's way too early. I mean, like, I, I get that people are excited for Christmas season. I I, I love the excitement but there's just something about i mean it's almost like cheating like you at least in my eyes have to wait till thanksgiving's over it's just the way it is it's the way it's always been you know you're taking the easy way out by doing this early you know christmas season starts for me the second thanksgiving is over and it's it's always going to be that way for me you know i'm not judging you if you're doing it but i am judging you this may be the thing that i've done the biggest 180 on in the last like five to 10 years. And it's, it's entirely because of my wife. Like we had this big few, like when we were dating, I, I, I've been staunch uh, about, we don't do Christmas stuff until after Thanksgiving. It's always been my thing. And she was the opposite. She loved doing the, uh, the decorations as early as possible. And so we actually agreed before we got married that we would rotate every other year. Like one year she would get to do the decorations her way. The other year we would wait until after Thanksgiving uh, naturally, we've, we've been married for six years. We have not done it my way one time. Uh, it's been her way every single year, and I've kind of just grown to be okay with it. First of all, if you're putting up Christmas decorations in this year because it makes you happy, whatever. If you want to put up Fourth of July decorations right now, do whatever the fuck you can to maintain. Like I, I am okay with whatever anybody wants to do to make themselves happy right now. Two, there's th- there have been like, like scientific studies that say that people get more are, are more are happier during the holidays the earlier they put their decorations up, which is why I'm justifying it at all. We put our Christmas tree up earlier than we ever have last year, and I wound up being fine with it. So I'm I'm changing my stance. I'm flip flopping. I'm going back on the old Mike Rutherford. If you want to put up Christmas decorations, whenever I don't give a shit. It's fine. It's good. Whatever. I don't I don't even know who you've become. I know. My God. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm I'm changed. But what are you gonna do? This was actually the first question we got when I asked for him, and it's it's perfectly appropriate from Ryan Smith. What do we have to do to get you an audio setup that doesn't sound like you are on one end of a soup can connected to a string? I yeah. mean, we're trying. We're, we're old. I mean, we're old dads. You know, yeah. we're, we're 35. We're getting gray in the beard. Um, you're 36. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't want to shortchange you there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is just – it's. It's old dads and technology. Um, it, it is what it is. I'm sure one day it'll improve, but right now, this is the medicine you're going to have to take. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I don't have anything else to say to it. Um, Mark Ennis, the Mark Ennis, radio's own Mark Ennis uh, from 93.9 The Ville, says, who in Kentucky is most likely to be able to do what Tommy Tuberville did in Alabama? If you missed it, uh, Tuberville won his, uh, his Senate race handily. 
in Alabama this week, despite having zero political experience and, and zero political ideas. I mean, I, I the obvious answer is is John Calipari, but he's I mean, he I don't think Ling's left. He is um, liberal when it comes to politics and Kentucky fans have not been good with that. So like, I think as much as Calipari is beloved here by UK fans, I still don't think he would win if he ran for something like Senate against a, um, a quality conservative opponent. So I feel like it would have to be a Republican or somebody who was kind of apolitical. I don't know. I mean, here's one name that I, I feel like would be a good politician who used to be a prominent sports figure here. John L. Smith. Yeah, I was I was going to say Howard Schnellenberger, but obviously he his age might be a little bit of an issue, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, John L's a, John L would be a good one. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he, he's good in front of a mic. Um, he's a charismatic personality, so I could see it. I, I, I can't even think of anybody else who fits that mold of former sports figure who would definitely win if he ran for political office. So I'm sticking with John L Smith. Um, let's see here. Can't, can't do that one. Can't do that one. Uh, let's see. Uh, Pastor Emily Holiday says, since we're claiming things these days, can we go ahead and claim Dana Evans as the player of the year and the number one WNBA draft pick? But seriously, how does the landscape look for the women's team this year? Can they beat Baylor? What's their schedule look like due to COVID? I'm fine. Yeah, Dana Evans, she's going to be national player of the year. She's going to be uh, number one WNBA draft pick. We'll claim all that stuff right now. She actually is the reigning ACC player of the year, so it's not outside the realm of possibility. I think the women's team is going to be really good this year. I know we've talked more about the men's team, but the women's team is going to be preseason top 10, if not top five. They have a really small, condensed non-conference schedule because of COVID. I think they're only playing five games. The highlight, they're going to play UConn. They're going to play uh, Gino Ariamas team. That's obviously going to be a big-time game. Um, I, I think they can be, once again, threatening for a Final Four. I'm really excited to see Haley Van Lith, who was the, the highest-rated recruit that we've brought in here since Asia Durr. She's got like a billion Instagram followers. She was friends with Kobe Bryant. I think she's going to be a whole lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm excited about the women's team this year. Um, let's see here. Stephen Apple says, did you know Peacock has five seasons of the old Saved by the Bell for free? Did not know that. They're on Hulu, though. Yeah, I mean, maybe like 15 years ago is when the DVDs came out. And that was, uh, you know, at the time, pretty, uh, pretty life-changing since they didn't really run on the air anymore. But... Um, yeah, it's good to know if I ever get in a pinch, I can, uh, I can throw on the episode where, uh, they caught Jeff at the attic, um, cheating on Kelly. Feel good episode. The guy finally got yeah. what was happening to him. Um, fuck you, Jeff. Uh, Josh Phelps, uh, fastest man in this city says with the Malik Williams foot injury, how worried are you about front court depth for the season and his inability to stay healthy? Foot issues for bigs are always hard to overcome. Uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm extremely worried about not just Malik Williams, but just the front court depth. Um, like Josh said in the question, Malik has had injury problems the last couple of years. It obviously kept him out late last season. And, I mean, we don't really know what we have there. There's been some word that Aiden Agayon's dealing with some stuff as well. Um, and even if he's not, if he's fully ready to go by the time the season starts, he didn't show us a whole lot last year that, that would indicate that he's ready to play big-time minutes just yet unless he's improved significantly. Jalen Withers, a lot of hype about him, but he'd be a little bit undersized if you're trying to play him at the five. Uh, I know you're a big Gabe guy. Um, 
<laughs> I, I watched Gabe Winitzer highlight videos as soon as I saw Malik had an injured foot. I was like, okay, this really, I mean, there, I, I don't know. Are they going to redshirt him? I, I thought I read somewhere that he might be redshirting this year. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but um, I'm trying, I'm trying to talk myself into Gabe just in case it comes down to that. Um, but no, I'm the same way as you. I mean, the, the fact that it's the, the same foot that he hurt last year is, is very worrisome. And I, when, when Malik, he, cause he remember he was hurt to start out the year last year right? and our defense kind of suffered because of it. And even when he came back, it took him a little bit to get back into the rhythm. Like even like during the UK game, that was, that wasn't one of his better games. He was still kind of on the mend as far as getting healthy. But when he did get healthy, that's when our team really took off and was stout defensively. And then Obviously, we know what happened when he went out in the Florida State game. And um, he's just, I mean, I can't emphasize enough how key he's going to be to our season, especially um, as far as from a defensive standpoint, getting everyone in the places they're supposed to be. Yeah, that, that was one of the most disappointing things about the end of the regular season was, I mean, not only just really getting hurt, he was playing the highest level that we've seen him play. And it wasn't just hey, he's a really good defensive player. He's really good at communicating defensively. His offense was coming around. He was averaging um, not a double-double, but near enough in the ballpark of a double-double to, to get really excited about what he was going to be able to do in March. And then that Florida State game where everything went wrong in the second half knocked him out. So hopefully Malik can get back to 100%. I mean, he's as key to this team as David Johnson is, as Sam Williamson is. I mean, he is a huge part, if, if, if we do have a lot of success this year, uh, of why we're going to have that success. Uh, we got back-to-back Breeders' Cup questions here. Jim Eastburn says, who wins the Classic? And Parker Robbins says, what's your Breeders' Cup lock? Uh, we'll start with the first question. Do you have a Classic pick yet, Dan? I guess it depends. Is Baffert going to be able to cheat after getting caught? Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know how I feel about Baffert. I literally can't stand the guy. He's burned me so many times. I was a huge tis the law guy. Um, and I'm a hundred percent sure that authentic was juiced up for the Derby. Uh, um, but I won't go down that road anyways. Yeah, I'm hundred percent sure, but I'm not going to go down the road. <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah, I, I just don't want to expand on it, but I know he was juiced. <laughs> um, I, I, God, this is tough. Cause I love tis the law. He's my guy, but I can't get Tom's day toss Stephen Foster race out of my head. I, I, I just really, and his odds, I think, are going to be juicy, anywhere from five to seven to one. Um, so that's probably going to be my pick. Uh, I'm sure I'll have a bunch of exotics, but if you told me to pick a winner, I'd probably say Tom's Data. My like, my sentimental pick is Tyler Reddy because I'm a Dallas Stewart fanboy forever. Um, wouldn't be shocked if he hits the board because that's what Dallas does in big races. I think, assuming that Bob is allowed to cheat, which I'm just going to assume that he is because Bob's always allowed to cheat. Um, Improbable's got Irad. It's going to be hard for me to get away from him if we're wagering money. I think Tiz is actually a live shot in this race. Like, like People have kind of forgotten about him. Not forgotten about him, but he's been pushed to the side a little bit after the Derby. I think Tiz the Law is a real shot. If you're asking me to pick right now, though, I think Improbable wins the race. Um, yeah, I mean, Tiz, he didn't, run, he didn't run a bad Derby. No. He just, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's had a lot of time off. So we'll see. But I trust I trust Barkley Tag. He'll have him up there. I do, too. Um, as far as my lock of the weekend, I really, really like Battleground in the um, in the, uh, the 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 juvenile um, first fall out of found. That's my pick. If I'm wagering a lot of money, 
Uh, that's who I'm going with. Do you have a lock, or have you really had a chance to break it down yet, Dan? I haven't. It, and, like, so when, when, with horse racing with me and you, I would say maybe, like, three to four years ago, I would say we were on, like, a level playing field as far as, like, horse knowledge. But the past, like, three years, you've just absolutely blown past me um, as far as your knowledge in the horse game. So, I, you know, I, I do got to give you credit. But, um, yeah, I'll, I still have to dive in and, and see, you know, if, if there's going to be any locks. It seems like Breeders' Cup, it, it's weird every year. Like, the horses that you think are – absolute locks are the horses that don't win and then like yeah. if you have like a long price favorite that you know you're looking for prices on the board it seems like those long price favorites usually come in most of the time that's just i don't know that's my analysis yeah i said juvenile it's actually it's the juvenile turf um but that's my pick there i'm excited about this because i know that you know, COVID. We're going up to Columbus. COVID has rid us the like we're not gonna be able to do as much stuff as we'd like to do. But honestly, that's like my dream scenario is being able to sit around Breeders' Cup Saturday, like with friends, drink, not do a whole lot else, and just wager ridiculous amounts of money. At least relative to to me, <laughs> ridiculous yeah. amount of money to other people is probably a lot more. But I had a really bad Derby in Oaks, and then a bad week after that, and so I have I've kind of stayed away from the game. I'm ready to load up, Dan. I am ready. <laughs> I, am- I will tell you how the day is going to play out. Are you ready for this? Yes. Uh, at, by 4 o'clock, my wife will ask how I'm doing, and I will literally ignore the question. And then by 5.30, she'll see the look on my face knowing that I blew through all the money in my account. And she'll tell me not to deposit any more money. And I'll nod my head yes, and then I will 100% deposit more money in my account. And... By that time, the classic rolls around. I'm sure the kids are going to be starving. It's going to be chaotic. And I'll probably be on the grill or something watching my horse walk out of the gate like usual. I already know that how this day is going to play out. I'm excited to only tell my wife about the bets I win. Like oh, 100%. She, I, she thinks that I make like three bets every big day like this because it's all I tell. Like, hey, just one, whatever. And like, she's like, oh, way to go, babe. I'm like, I'm still down 75. Like, here we go. Yeah. Another tradition that I have is especially like with the derby or the classic is like all week I'll be like, all right, here's my trifecta. And like, here's who I think's going to win. And then by the time post time comes around, I'm like, did I just put $80 to win on global campaign? Like money everywhere. <laughs> um, like I know it's going to happen. I just totally panic bet. And I'm like, I don't even know what bets I have out there right now. Uh, uh, Birds on Twitter says pretty succinctly, when will we be good at football? Um, I mean, not this year, uh, pretty clearly. I think we have a chance if everybody comes back, if the key players from this year's team uh, outside of the guys who are, uh, I would say graduating, but they can technically come back and and use this year of eligibility. But I would assume guys like Des Fitzpatrick are going to go ahead and and move on and and try their hand at being professionals. But if you get back the key players from this year's team and maybe add some depth in the trenches, add some guys on defense, I think they could be okay next year. I'll say, I'll say 2022 is when we will be a, a quote-unquote good football team. That's my answer to a not-so-serious question. This is going to sound like the corniest answer ever, but this coaching staff is going to get it done. I am a firm believer in this coaching staff, and it's not even about X's and O's in recruiting. It's it's really just uh, and like the attitude that you see that the guys play with, like, even when they're down, you know, they never stop fighting. And, and again, this is as corny as can be, but it's just so different from years past when 
uh, when our teams have been down, just kind of how they've thrown in the towel. Um, and I don't know. I just I, I really trust this coaching staff that they're going to put us in a, in a position to really be a contender and not not right away, but in a couple years once they get their own personnel in there. Um, but I mean, it's tough right now. I mean, they're just they ha- they're playing with such you know, a short stack, especially on defense, that it's really hard for them to get any momentum. So let's let a couple recruiting cycles go through, be patient. And I truly think this team is going to be, you know, back in the national conversation sooner rather than later. You're right. It's a total fanboy stance, but I completely agree with you. Like, just look at the Virginia Tech game on Saturday. If we had even the, like, the good Bobby Petrino teams, the okay Bobby Petrino teams, if they're thrust into that same scenario on Saturday where they're down a bunch of guys out of nowhere because of COVID and they get down two touchdowns early and things aren't going their way. We lose that game by a hundred. Like, like we get destroyed. Even the okay Bobby Pacino teams, when they had that type of, uh, of just adversity to deal with, they never overcame it. They always wilted. Uh, this year's team didn't do that. I, I mean, seeing, I, I know he's gotten a lot of shit from the fans this year, but seeing how Malik Cunningham battled at the end of that he game. He played his ass off. He really just, did. Like, that was unbelievable. It's the biggest cliche in the world. But if you ever were going to use it, you know, leaving it all on the field was something that he absolutely did on Saturday. Um, I mean, just taking shot after shot and still getting Louisville back into the end zone and putting them in uh, situations where if they could recover an onside kick, they'd have a chance to tie the game. I thought it was a really admirable effort from not just him, but everybody. And you're right. Like, I think that is a bigger indication or as big of an indication as anything else that we're going to eventually get back to where we want to be. Um, and that's, it's a testament to the staff. So that was, I thought, I thought encouraging. And again, I'm not trying to sugarcoat the fact that we're two and five and not playing great football overall, but the battling, the attitude, all that stuff, all those, you know, generic fan stuff, it's there and it should portend good things in the long term. Uh, Justin Rank from Card Chronicle says, how excited are you for November 25th? It seems like it has been missing from our lives for years. We have waited a long time for this day, and we finally get back to what we love, and we get to see some newcomers. I think that's the other thing that's adding to the suspense here is, like, we don't have red-white scrimmages. We don't have those two exhibition games. Um, Our first look at this team is going to be when they play an actual game for the first time. So I'm excited for it for a variety. I mean, I'm excited for just college basketball in general. I was looking at that Wade Houston schedule, and I'm like, Duquesne, UNC, Greensboro, fuck yes. Like, that's going to be awesome. Like, I'm just excited to watch live college basketball again. But yeah, uh, to answer the question, super excited. I, I mentioned this. You'll love. You'll have an opinion on this too. I'm, I miss the Halloween weekend exhibition game this year because it like, annually, it's the most hungover crowd at the KFC Yum Center every single year. <laughs> yeah, no, you're completely right. Um, I, I've been to you know many of those, and that's very accurate. It's just like a weird vibe in the building and. Um, they do kind of like the generic, it seems like they switch out. Like sometimes they would do starting lineups and other times they would just start playing immediately. But, um, it's always good to get a look at the newcomers and overreact immediately. Like, Oh my God, like Gorgie shooting threes. Um, his first you know. basket as a card, <laughs> first basket as a card in that exhibition game was a three from the top of the key. I'm like, horribly hungover i've got like I think cowboy face paint from the halloween party the night before still on my face and like gorgie like just rains a three five minutes into the game i'm like is this what this guy does like yeah i am like i'm trying to think back i don't think russ broke out in those games i think like his breakout kind of came when we like played in the uh the bahamas. bahamas tournament 
um, and we're like, who the hell is this kid? But um, it, it, you do kind of get a vibe for, okay, maybe this kid's ready and this kid's not um, when you watch those scrimmages. I, if I could have a 30 for 30 or like a <laughs> documentary on anything, <laughs> the Bahamas is my top five. The, I, mean, really, I mean, the storylines, like playing the bellhops, Bumpy was there. Russ just completely like goes from an unknown to like the start, like beginning of stardom for one of our best players in history. It really is unbelievable. I mean, so like you forget how little we were like willing to buy in on Russ at that point, because the whole thing was Rick wanted him to be a point guard as a freshman. He lost the backup point guard job to Elijah Justice. And then Russ wanted to play the two, so Rick is like, whatever, this kid's going to be transferring out of here anyway. I'll let him play the two this year. He got big-time minutes in the Bahamas because Kyle Couric and a bunch of guys were were hurt or sick or something or didn't play. So, like, Russ is scoring 57 points against the real-deal Shockers. <laughs> and, like, nobody's excited because he's like, he's just like, they're, they're, we're playing against 55-year-old, like you said, hotel bellhops and guys who just don't give a shit at all. It was the, I mean, that weekend was so fun. Like, all those games were so great. But also, it was just, like, nobody took him seriously because we shouldn't have taken him seriously. It was a wasted trip almost. And, and then it turns out it, it jump-started Russ's career. So, yeah, I'd love to have, like, a full-on in-depth documentary on those, like, three games that we played. Uh, Coach Bob says, is it a violation if I wear cards gear to the Bellarmine games at Freedom Hall? No. I guess. <sighs> yeah, totally fine. And I, I, I texted with you and our buddy Kircher about this, like, I'm an old soul. I'm I'm nostalgic. I'm totally jealous that Bellarmine gets to play their games in Freedom Hall. I'm like, God damn it. I actually would love if the cards could do at least like I wish the cards would play like one game a year in there or, or something like I get we closed it out with, you know, the biggest exclamation point you could. And you almost don't want to ruin that. But man, do I miss the hall? I'm excited about it. Obviously, I mean, I I graduated for Bellarmine. I'll say they're my second favorite team. Um, I love the Davenports, um, love Bo, love, love the guys on that staff. I will say, though, like I got a, a picture sent to me of the, the, the rendering of the court, what it's going to look like at, at the uh, at Freedom Hall this year. And it felt weird. Like it was weird to see like the A-Sun logo and the Bellarmine logo on, on Freedom Hall court. Like that's supposed to be Denny Crump court. That's supposed to be the, the UofL logo. I don't know. I, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to go to games there. I understand why they made the move, too, because, you know, attendance is going to be based on percentage of your overall capacity. And at Knights Hall, they would have only been able to have, I think, 300 fans or so attend home games this year, which would have been bad for your first season as a D1 member. So I totally get why they made the move um, for this year and maybe beyond. But it's just, I don't know. I, I, I'm. It feels, it's strange to have another team inhabiting that place that I think we all love so much. Again, I don't hate it. It just feels like everything else kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, walking back in there and like immediately getting hit with the syrup smell, going to watch basketball would just, I, it would probably bring on too many emotions for me to even go in and watch a game, to be honest. Uh, Henry bathtubs, my guy, Hank Tubbs says, would you rather have a, a Reds title Reds world series title or a guaranteed fifth grade spelling bee championship for your kid? Um, not even close. Reds, Reds world. <laughs> Reds yeah. world series. Right, my, my kid, he'll have other opportunities to shine. We did the Reds world series ASAP. I mean, I've only been waiting 30 years. So yeah, that's, that's love my guy bathtubs, but that's a no brainer. Uh, verse says, did the Colts win over the Lions? give Stafford COVID. I did love yesterday. 
like my my timeline, it was right when uh, everybody started calling the state of Michigan for Biden. So my timeline's like Michigan's done, Michigan's over, Michigan's uh, over, roll Michigan, all this stuff. And then right in the middle of it is Sports Center, like Matt Stafford has COVID. <laughs> I was like, God damn Lions! <laughs> like even even when Michigan's like making big news, the news out of the Lions is just like the worst thing ever. Um, yeah, go Lions. Yeah, um, the Lions actually play my Vikes this week, so right. we got we'll be able to. I mean, I, we can't even really you know get too excited because they both absolutely suck. I mean, the Vikes are. We're, we literally traded to one of our, you know, better defensive players. Um, it seemed like we were going into full tank mode. So I was ready to kind of lose out and get a high draft pick. And, of course, like it was one of the only times we go into Lambeau and win last week. So I'm like, I mean, any other time I'd be totally jacked about beating Green Bay. But this is like the one time where I'm like, oh, I wouldn't mind a loss there. Um, Reverend Matty Nice says, you find a genie and you can have three wishes but none of them can be truly consequential. For example, no wishes for immortality. All the wishes have to be pretty petty in nature. What are the wishes? So if we could wish for small things, the first thing that came to my mind, and I'm, I don't know if anybody else ever drank Sunkiss Sparkling Lemonade. I lived off the stuff growing up. I want Sunkiss Sparkling Lemonade back. I, I need it back. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That- uh, I was more of an orange. I was gonna say I'm like I don't really have a reaction. I, I was more of an orange soda guy. That's that's kind of where I stood on that. Um, uh, other small petty stuff that I would wish for. I mean, I guess we can't wish like COVID away or or wish like Louisville to win a national title. I'm, so, I'm trying to think of other like really small stuff that I would wish for. Um, shit, I don't even know. Sunkiss sparkling lemonade's all I'm passionate about apparently. Yeah, I was gonna say like you know. Calipari going to the Knicks. That's I guess that's not really small. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I need more time to think about the question. I'm not gonna lie. This kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, this that's a tough one. It's a good question. Um, I'd want. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's it's a good. We may we may have to revisit that one for the next. I just want I just want like one of my teams to win it all. Uh, you know. As a Vikes, Reds, and Louisville fan, like really the only title I, I've got to enjoy was the 2013 Louisville basketball national title, which unfortunately the you know they you know the whole banner deal. But I'm like, can I just get one title to celebrate, like, and not have to worry about anything? That that would be my small wish. You know what? Uh, here's I would have this wish too, and maybe this isn't small in nature either, but I would like. Cause I thought about this the other day how many songs are out there that have been recorded that you would really love? Like you would play all the time that you'll just never get to hear in your life. Like I would like to somehow have some sort of system where if there's a song out there that the world knows I would love, I can find that song. Like it just pops up on my spot. I would love some sort of system like that. Same with movies, documentaries, all that stuff. If there's pieces of media out there, pieces of art out there that I would really connect with and that I would love, I'd like to be able to have some sort of guaranteed way to find those. And again, that's, that's probably not a small wish, but I would want that to happen. I think that would be a really beneficial one. That's, that's my final answer for that wish. Mine, my final answer is I'd, I'd like to learn how to play the piano. I think it'd be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I always get jealous. Or like, I'll like, not that I like go to parties and someone starts playing the piano, but like, every blue moon you see someone just like sit down and start playing. I'm like, damn it, that's pretty fucking cool. 
What if we walked into your house in Columbus and you're there like chubs from Happy Gilmore? Like, I, only just because. I literally I become like a musician since I moved. I just here's the deal. If I did start playing an instrument, I would never tell anyone. I would just absolutely <laughs> wait till everyone's at like the peak of their drunkness and just surprise the shit out of everyone and make everyone's jaw hit the floor. It's like, oh my god, did he just play over the rainbow on a ukulele? <laughs> He came downstairs in all white, just playing the trombone. It was, it was unreal. It was the biggest surprise of our Columbus trip. Uh, all right, well that's enough for questions. Uh, we're gonna read. We have one new review. Again, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please subscribe wherever you find podcasts. Please give us a, a five star rating if you can, uh, and if you leave us a nice review, it really helps us out. And if you leave us a shitty review, it also helps us out. Just say you know whatever you want to say. It's fine. Uh, the title of this comment is Earl Clark has never been to Arizona. Great deep cut reference. My favorite video of all time. Shout out to Fred Calgill when uh, Edgar Sosa interviewed his teammates before the Sweet 16 game uh, in Arizona. And Earl Clark uh, claimed that he'd never been to Arizona before when they'd played there, I think, two months earlier and lost to Minnesota. But this is the uh, the comment from Bobby Betrino. says, Mike and Dan are the best duo in podcast history. They don't take themselves too seriously, but also take card sports way too seriously. It hits home with all of us Cards fans at home that live and die by every game, but also know all of it is just a game. That is meant as a compliment. Mike and Dan are the voices behind Cards group threads across the world. My only complaint is that it isn't a daily show. That's nice. Yeah, that's a nice one. Yeah, the Earl Clark video, that's on like a Louisville fans like play the hits. Like you can just put that in at any time and smile. The Pac-12... I don't think they really be on TV too much. So I mean, Earl Clark just kind of—he's got no. I miss Earl so much. Like even when he was in the NBA and he had like that randomly really good season with the Lakers, I was like, I I couldn't have been happier. One of my favorite Louisville athletes to watch, like in the pros, do well was that year. Earl Clark was killing it for LA. The fact that Earl and I got married on the same day is my favorite thing of all time. (laughs) <laughs> that is what that is absolutely wild i feel oh, like man. i'm married to earl clark in some small way and it, it it completes me i love my wife but having earl on that mix just makes me very happy um I, I love it do you have a dan of the dump story for this week dan i mean not really i mean oh obviously the, the 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 thing is i mean i'm just so down about this game being canceled on saturday and you guys coming up here that i i'm gonna have to actually think about what we're going to have to do and come up with some sort of plan so my wife doesn't get stressed out about it so um yeah i don't know i'm sure we'll have plenty of stories from the weekend when we talk next week um you'll find out maybe 10 dumb things i've done um that maybe i haven't talked about on here so uh next week i i should have something um for you guys it's literally the only fucking segment that we have on this podcast, and you've punted like six times in a row. <laughs> I did. I know. Well, like it, when you when COVID going on, there's just not a lot of opportunities <laughs> to really. Yeah, I'm blaming it on COVID. What do you want me to do? I don't get out as much. I'm a homebody. You can tell old stories. It's the whole point of the pod of the Dan the Dump segment. Anyways, right. whatever. Next, you're, yeah, you're, next week. Next week, I'll, I'll I'll have something. We're not coming to Columbus now. We're done. Um. <laughs> Because there is no Virginia game this weekend, we're also we're not going to do a, a a preview podcast, obviously, uh, with Key. So just one podcast for this week. We'll be back to the regular schedule next week, and we will try to ramp stuff up um, once we get into the basketball season and more things get going. It'll be more like uh, back in January and February. 
So stay tuned for all that good stuff. Better times are on the way, I promise all of you, regardless of how you feel about the election, regardless of how you feel about everything. Um, hopefully, once we get college basketball going, we're going to have some fun. There should be some good stuff to talk about. So big shout out to everybody for listening. I have a great weekend. And until we talk to you guys again, go Cards. Go Cards.